This is the Teaching Primary Music Podcast, where you will learn effective, tried and true methods to teach children the gospel of Jesus Christ through music. I am Courtney Ekman. And I am Charlotte Dance. I'd like to introduce you to my son, Joshua. He is my oldest son. And last year he called me in a panic and he said, I have been called to teach primary music. And I said, well, that's great because you've seen all my workshops, you know the principles, you know what to do. And he goes, no, no, mom, it's different. I just don't wanna die in front of those 30 kids. I'm like, okay, well, let's get back to some basics. And um, we talked about the basics of three songs and different activities and contrast and all the things that we'll be continuing to talk about on the podcast. But one of the things that I didn't recognize is that he is in a mixed age primary. So he has three year olds and 10 year olds and everything in between, and he has to engage them. And I think the reason that they called in his ward two guys to do this was to pull some of the activity from those older boys and to renew their enthusiasm about primary music. I don't think they realized when they called Joshua the kind of background that he had just because he has lived in my home for as long as I've been teaching primary music. So Joshua, why don't you introduce yourself and tell what it was like when you first got called to primary music and why in the world you had to call your mom after seeing every single workshop I've ever done. <laughs> I didn't just see every single workshop. I've recorded almost every single workshop you've ever done. <laughs> and I've edited almost every single workshop I've ever done. No, but so my name is Joshua and I live in Utah, grew up in Seattle and California. I work for a tech company, a little startup. And yeah, I uh, I had a meeting with the bishop and he's like, hey, we'd like to call you to be the uh, primary music coordinator. And I laughed actually. I was like, I was like, okay, you know who my mom is. He's like, no, I don't. I was like, okay, that's even better because anyone will want to have false expectations. <laughs> so um, it's been it's been wild because I think the reason why it's been so difficult is because knowing something theoretically is much different than putting it in practice, especially when, you know, in any teaching or presenting role, you're basically have to be on, right? You have to know what's next. You have to be able to manage the room while also getting across the point of the lesson. So that's why I called because I was like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Like I've read, I've read the book, I've, you know, watched the, <laughs> watched the workshops, but I still don't know what to do. So I think if I had to say, you know, advice to anyone else who's just starting out in primary music, most important thing you can do is just pick three songs and then try to do three different activities. And just that is going to be, you're going to be ahead of most um, people trying to figure this out. Because with three songs, the songs themselves are going to be different, right? I always split them up in my head as marchy or flowy. I don't know if that's the correct technical term. <laughs> and then if you have three different activities, right? So like, let's say there's a picture activity or word activity or movement activity, that's important. And then I guess the, the last thing I'd say is also always include a physical activity because, you know, we learn through our bodies. We know theoretically, like theologically, that our soul is a body and a, and a mind and a spirit and all together. And a lot of times teachers want to ignore the body part because it's easier to keep kids in a chair, but they don't like that. So having a movement activity is uh, is key as well. So initially after I said, okay, cool, three activities, three songs, movement activity, that's great. But I immediately ran into the problem of the combined primary. So we have about 30 kids in our primary. 
And what's funny is actually, you know, being new to this, I actually don't even know what ages my kids are. When you said three to 10, I was like, they're three years old. I thought they were like five. And when you said they're like 10, I thought they were like 15. I literally have no clue. I have no concept of how old kids in primary are. And looking at them, I can't tell. So I didn't know. And then, but you realize very, very quickly that they're very, very different and teaching the same lesson um, for both age groups oftentimes doesn't work. It needs to be kind of modified in some way. And so that was, I think that's been the hardest thing for me. So like I've been here for a couple months now and I feel relatively comfortable um, in front of the, you know, group and kind of managing it and thinking of ideas and I have, you know, I've got a kind of like a repertoire of ideas that most of them stolen from Charla. <laughs> and I feel relatively comfortable with that. But the hardest part every time now is, okay, so how do I create activities or how do I even make multiple activities that can appeal to both age groups or the, the whole range of age groups? So that's, that's pretty difficult. What have been some of your favorite go-to activities for that combined primary? What works really well for you? Yeah, that's a good question. Surprisingly, like melody maps and visual puzzles work well for both age groups. And I think that's because I always try to include some sort of physical concrete representation, like a heart for love. But yeah, so the three-year-olds, you know, like they're not going to get maybe like a red circle being love. Maybe sometimes they do. They're actually a lot smarter than you think. But if it's a heart, right, they can pick up on that. Or if it's like a, a like a like a symbol of a moon for night or sleeping or resting or something like that, they can pick up that up. And so, you know, I'll put the I'll put the million map on the board. And with melody maps, I think the key is you can't tell them what it is. It super bugs me when people do that because it completely breaks the whole purpose of the activity. The whole purpose is to create visual intrigue and have them actually think about it. But if you just say like, oh, this heart is love, they're like, great, I'm bored now, you know, because <laughs> you're just talking at them. But if you say, what do you, what do you see? What do you notice, right? Like, what could this be? Then you sing the song. You don't tell them anything. You sing the song and they're all looking at it. You see their eyes darting back and forth. And then, you know, like I asked them, like, what do you, what do you think it is? Inevitably, I'll have a bunch of little kids, three-year-olds, apparently, raise their hand. Sometimes they're completely off, right? Like they're like, you know, we're singing a song about, let's say like, tell me the stories of Jesus. They're like, Jesus is, is our friend. It's like, yes, yes, he is. Okay, next person. And I'll just move on, right? You know, but a lot, sometimes they actually get it right. They're like, they're like, the heart means love. It's like, yep, that's correct. So that's been, that's been helpful because they, the little kids are hearing the song, Right. And they're seeing the visual movement of the notes, right? With like the ups and the downs and the arrows and everything. And they sometimes get like some of the more concrete representations. So that's been pretty good. Another one that I do very frequently is I do the pictures out of order. So I'll go into um, like these free stock websites and find pictures that represent the thing. So for example, we're singing Redeemer of Israel. That's a hymn. So I found like a picture of a sheep and a shepherd and a valley that looks like scary and a valley that looks happy and it's you know, for delight, we got an ice cream cone. There's kind of big pictures that kind of represent the different things. And then basically I'll say like, hey guys, when I was like, when I was kind of like getting ready for a primary day, I dropped all these pictures and they're out of order. So I'll just put them up. It's like, can you help me put them in order? So I'll sing the song and have them come up with, use magnets to hold them on. So it's easy. And they put them in order. So the kids actually do a really good job with it. So tell me what happens when you've got the younger kids coming up and the older kids. How do the older kids react to the younger kids? What How's that mixed primary doing? What what happens as you're teaching with those things? They're kind of like cats and dogs. They just kind of ignore each other for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> occasionally, occasionally, like there's, you know, some paternal and maternal instincts kick in and like the older kids will help the younger kids. And especially if I ask them to, if I ask them to help, they actually do a pretty good job with it. But I haven't done a good job of asking them to help. I know there's like a, there's a teaching principle you can use where it's like, hey, like, 
okay, older kid, go grab a younger kid and then come up here and do it together. But, you know, flying by the city of your pants, I just haven't integrated that one yet. Maybe, uh, maybe next year, <laughs> but yeah, they, they did a pretty good job. Like sometimes like I'll ask, um, like for example, when we do the eraser pass game where we have, you know, three words written up, one of the words is right, two of them are wrong and the kids are erasing things. Sometimes um, if a kid like can't reach, because like that's actually a funny thing. You don't realize this, but like the little kids literally can't reach the top of the chalkboard at all. So anything they're interacting with has to be on the first level, which makes it hard because if the first level is already done, then they can't participate, right? You know, but occasionally like a bigger kid will like lift them up or something or uh, or a bigger kid will help like point out uh, a word to erase because they, you know, let's say they figured out a few words and little kids sitting there blank, blank look on their face because they can't read. And so usually I'll point to one to race, but sometimes a bigger kid will do that as well. So yeah, so like, it's fine. Like, it's great. I think, I think the hardest thing is, is they're aware of each other, right? But they're also aware that they're just very different. They're very aware of their de developmental different differentiation because, you know, like we'll do like a simple pan clap or pat your leg pattern. And the little kids have a hard time with just the basic pattern and the older kids, it's not even a challenge for them. And so that's, I think, difficult. If I had to break it down to what I do with a combined primary is I literally think of two different activities, related, but different. One for the older kids, one for the younger kids. So for example, if we're doing the movement pattern, I'll literally make two movements. One super simple, just to get the kids, you know, intro to it for the older kids. And then that's the only thing we do for the younger kids. And then we'll split and then move to that. Or for example, if it's like I'm doing like the mixed up word envelope game, older kids love it. Younger kids can't read. So it doesn't work at all. So what I'll do is I'll actually then take the pictures that I use for the mix of pictures and I'll have them put the pictures in order. Or if it's hard, I'll literally print out like a black and white version of the picture and paste it to a piece of cardboard and then print out a color picture. And all I have to do is match the pictures, right? So it's like, oh, here's a black and white picture of Jesus. There's a color picture of Jesus. Put it over the top. Great. So that's like, it's, so it's harder because instead of doing three activities, I'm not doing six, right? But it's the only way to do it. And if they were separate primaries... I'd be doing six activities anyway. So it's not like some terrible thing I have to do. It's just, that's kind of what needs to be done for the different age groups. I love that. That's awesome. When you are teaching a song and you've taught a song with rhythm one week and you've divided the groups and then what the next week you'll go to, you said pictures, maybe yeah, pictures or something. What do you do for the third week? How, how does this really work? People want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I have a document that I keep track of what I actually teach. I'd highly recommend ever do that because I can't remember, you know, two weeks ago, much less months ago. So last time I taught, we started with follow the prophet, the Adam verse, and we used hand signs for that. So I basically had kind of invented these um, hand signs. Most of them are just ASL words, um, American Sign Language words, but not like the full one. Because like if you're trying to say like prophet Adam, it's like way too hard. So I just do A, fist with a thumb out. That's A, that's Adam. These are the hand signs. The next one we did was I know my father lives. For that one, I think I did pictures and then we did, I will walk with Jesus. And actually I didn't write down once again, I, you know, I got to write down, I didn't write down what we did with that one. So I don't know what we did with that one. I'm sure it was a great activity. And then the week before that I did follow the prophet with Maori sticks. So this one, I was really trying to help the kids learn the words. And one of the best ways to help them learn the words is to sing internally. I can't remember what that's called, but internal singing. Audiation. Audiation. Yeah. So audiation really helps them. So basically we had Maori sticks, but it wasn't like some crazy pattern. Basically it was just like tapping the stick in their hand and then putting their lap. And then I'd say, Hey, when we're tapping your hand, singing the song, or when, you, when it's on your lap, you're quiet singing in our heads. 
or vice versa, right? That really helped. Then we did Redeemer of Israel with the envelope game, icons for the junior. Yeah. So once again, I did the mixed up words um, and the envelopes for the olders and then just the pictures for the juniors. And then we did I Feel My Savior's Love. And that was Take It In, Take It Out with a Giant Pot. So so the idea is you start singing the song, but then there's some kind of symbol or um, a thing you do to tell them to, when they're going to sing it inside their head or sing it out loud. So you could like, it could be that some of the symbols like clapping or holding up a sign or pulling down a sign or, uh, you know, taking a sphere and making it small or big. I got my giant canning pot and I would, you know, take the lid off when the song's coming out of the pot and put the lid on when it was inside our heads. And that was good. Um, I also made sure that the kids know that when we're, when we're not singing, it's not being quiet. We're singing in our heads. And a lot of times I'll actually start, I'll mouth the words so they can see a visual representation of someone singing it in their head. That seems to work pretty well. It works very well because the little ones will cue into your gestures and mouthing words is a gesture. And so the, all of a sudden they're like, oh, okay, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, great job. Yeah. What's funny is like when I introduced it, I said, okay, guys, here's my magic pot. So when it's open, we're singing out loud. When it's closed, we, and someone's like, be quiet. And I was like, nope, actually we're singing our heads. And we're gonna laugh. I don't, I don't know what's funny, but they thought maybe they like being not told not to just be quiet, but actually do something. I don't know. And then the week before that, we did Redeemer of Israel with flags. That was a movement day. So I sung the song with giving them different flag patterns. That one, obviously, we had to split. So like the older kids had a more complicated flag pattern. The younger kids had a little bit simpler flag pattern. What have been some of your most poignant success stories? Things when you're like, yes, this is awesome. This, this is why I'm doing this. That's a good question. I think now one of the ways I'm gauging success is the kids are starting to trust me. And and I say that because like, you know, like a new person shows in primary, it's like, hi, you've never seen me before. I've never seen you. You know, I don't know your names. I don't even know what ages you are. That's me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but like, but the things we were doing were fun. So they'd follow along. But now, you know, like we were walking outside on a little family walk and a car drove by and a window rolled down this little girl yelled brother dance i didn't know who it was but i just waved because it was one of the primary kids and then uh now there's a sunbeam and he'll come up to me every time he's like brother dance i know your name now i can tell you everything i want to tell you have you gone to legoland yet he's like no i haven't gone to legoland yet. he's like i did i rode the dragon coaster i'm like that's awesome <laughs> thanks for coming today <laughs> and so uh you know so that's been fun but i also think some of the times when i know things are going well is when I'll reintroduce a song and they'll know something about it, right? For example, like, what's the song of the fish and honeycomb? He did truly eat. Did Jesus really live again? Yeah, we're, we did it a few times and then he didn't do it for a few weeks and then brought it back. It's like, okay, we're going to sing Did Jesus Really Live Again? And then literally one of the little kids was like, and fish and honeycomb. I was like, yes, that is exactly right. So like they, they remembered a story about Jesus from the title of a song. It's like, that's cool, right? That's important. A few other things I think have really helped is or helped me know that like, oh, this is this is working. This is like being successful is when kids will like understand something doctrinally from the song. So, for example, Mary, there's so many Marys. <laughs> and so the kids are always getting confused because I was like, so when I introduced the song, I think I had a picture. I think it was a picture day. So we showed up Mary. And I was like, who is this? And they're like, Mary. I was like, OK, now there's lots of Marys. So there's Mary, Jesus' mother. And there's Mary, Jesus's friend. And this one is a friend. And they're like, oh, it's like mother, friend, mother, friend. Okay, which one is this? And they got it half wrong as we kept doing it. So like, okay, it's the mother. No, it's the friend, you know? <laughs> so once once we got that, you know, so then the next time when we sang, we were singing the song, it's like, okay, remember, which, which Mary is it? And I was like, the friend. I was like, okay, cool. We learned something, you know? So 
I don't have delusions of grandeur. I don't, I don't expect like some little kid's going to embarrass that somebody. It's like, and I feel the spirit when we sing in primary, right? They do, but they're not going to tell you that. They're not going to give you that, that kind of feedback. So I look for feedback in, are they enjoying it? Are they smiling? Are they feeling the spirit? And is something going, is something going through? Is there any other advice that you want to give to first time music leaders? First time music leaders or people with combined primaries? Because that's two separate pieces of advice. Okay, give us two separate pieces of advice. <laughs> um, I think so for first time primary leaders, you're like, wow, I've never done this before. Well, guess what? The kids haven't either. <laughs> like, that's the thing is like, if you listen to a little kid pray, 95% of the time, they're gonna say, you know, thank you for this thing, this, please help us to have fun. They just want to have fun, right? And so we could help them just have fun. We could, you know, bring in skateball machines, give out lottery prize tickets and just eat candy. That, that would be fine, right? And it would basically be a glorified babysitting service. But that's not what we're supposed to do. Like we're supposed to have them have fun with the doctrines, with the songs, with the gospel. And so doing activities that are fun, that help them hear the song, that help them feel the spirit, that help them connect, you know, actions to words. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And the best part about it is it's like the what Charlotte always says, like we're teaching the largest group of investigators because I'm teaching 30 people who are non-members, right? <laughs> I'm teaching 30 people who still want to make that, you know, covenant baptism. I'm teaching 30 people who maybe don't have a testament of Joseph Smith or Jesus Christ yet. So I'm doing, you know, I'm doing important stuff. And so if you're a brand new primary thing, this can be scary, but just realize like the kids want to have fun. And so if you just basically help them do activities that challenge them, so movement, challenging movement or challenging questions or puzzles or fun visual props like a pot, right? They're going to have fun. And as long as they're singing the songs during that fun, that's a great place to start. And then I'd say a piece of advice for people with combined primaries is you wouldn't give the same soccer drills to your local rec team and the U.S. men's national team or U.S. men's women's team, right? Like they're you need to give them completely different drills. And so like if a coach said, all right, everyone, we're going to go, you know, practice toe touches on the ball, everyone go do it for half an hour. Like the older, the more experienced team is going to hate you and not hate you, but they're just going to check out, right? They're not going to be there. And so you really do have to kind of think of two different activities. And it's hard because basically you have one activity and it needs to branch into two. So just think of ways that you can simplify it or think of ways that you can do it in an age appropriate way. And then I think if you have to, having someone else lead the second, you know, activity is very helpful. And then I think finding a few activities that work for both, if you need a break, right? If like, it's hard to think of six activities. Okay, well, melody maps that have visual concrete representations can work well for both. And so I think just kind of thinking through, okay, the default is I'm gonna make two activities. And then the other option is, okay, what activities can I do that don't require two activities? I think that would help. Thank you for listening and a special thank you to Dana Carden for composing our music.